In all of the Harry Potter books, my favorite of J.K. Rowling's pronouncements is put into the mouth of Sirius Black in the Goblet of Fire. If you want to know what a man's like, take a good look at how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. In our slightly abbreviated gospel lesson for today, we are invited to imagine a scene of Christ's final judgment of the world, which should surprise us maybe more than it does. First, because the categories are so absolute, deliberately, shockingly so. There are only two kinds of people in the world, teaches the parable, and they are as different as if they were two entirely different species. Second, the single criterion, the only thing that matters to determine whether you belong in heaven or hell, is not the state of your spiritual, or your intellectual, or your sex life, or what your politics happens to be. It's seeing need in society's most vulnerable and responding to address that need. Surely it's not an accident that this is Christ's judgment of the nations. The entirety of human social and political life, argues the parable, can be summed up in how we respond to the needs of the least of these. Today is the feast day of Vita Scudder, the daughter of a missionary who was born in India in 1861 and was one of the first American women to attend Oxford. Once there, she discovered her two great passions, modern literature, which for her meant the Russians and the French, and Italian literature, and socialism. In an era where women were constrained and restricted, told to exert beneficial moral influence within the home, Vita's apparently voracious curiosity about the world and its people led naturally to action in the here and now to improve the lives of American immigrant communities and the nature of industrial wage labor. Most famously, she joined a labor strike of women in a Massachusetts textile mill, not far away from where I was born. She is the founder of the Episcopal Church Socialist League, which I personally passionately wish was an organization that still existed. <laughs> and she was part of the movement which arguably culminated with Archbishop William Temple, author of Christianity and the Social Order. It was a time when people felt the destructive effects of rapid industrialization, of the differences between those who owned the mills and those who worked in them. Religion, argued Marx, kept the worker passive and contributed to his victimization. But Scudder's faith instead led her to the work of social justice, and she saw no conflict between the two. Just last week, the Orthodox writer David Bentley Hart, who will be coming to speak at VTS in November, wrote an article for Commonweal entitled, The First Christians Were Not Like Us, in which he underscored his description of the early Christians as Christ's rabble. I quote, fairly obnoxious, civically reprobate, ideologically unsound, economically destructive, politically irresponsible, socially discreditable, and really just a bit indecent. He emphasizes the small c communism of the early Christian community, the surrendering of personal property, and the thread running from the Gospels through to Ananias and Sapphira that argued that personal wealth full stop 
was tantamount to sin. The later imperial church, of course, found this teaching very difficult and concluded soothingly to its aristocratic converts that it was one's attitude to wealth that mattered, not the wealth itself. Hart, however, is not convinced that this consoling rationalization is enough. I quote again, Throughout the history of the church, Christians have keenly desired to believe that the New Testament affirms the kind of people we are rather than, as is actually the case, the kind of people we are not and really would not want to be. The first, perhaps most crucial thing to understand about the earliest generations of Christians is that they were a company of extremists, radical in their rejection of the values and priorities of society, not only at its most degenerate, but often at its most reasonable and decent." End quote. We can see that extremism fully on display in our gospel lesson for today. The rude, pushy simplicity of it all. Well, did you feed the hungry? Did you visit those in prison? Yes, sheep saved. No, goat damned. I will be the first to confess that this passage and others like it always makes me uncomfortable. Not because I disagree with it exactly, but because it raises so many practical questions. And if I'm honest, because its very simplicity always makes me so very aware of my shortcomings. Maybe the very fact that this passage has the capacity to make us twitchy is an answer in and of itself for why the parable has to be put in such extremely blunt terms. So we never can be really comfortable, can never forget that we always have the poor with us and we are always called to see Christ in them and we can never, never stop. Never feel that our work there is done and that we can never stop trying to see who and where are the poor in every generation. To be a follower of Christ is never to be comfortable in our social skin, to be always aware of what privilege and advantages we have, to be always drawn to the least of these, whatever that means and whoever that is, seeking to give care and to help and support where we can give it, not from a position of complacency or condescension, but in humility and honor as to our Lord. The parable is a reminder of the ethical principle running throughout the Gospels, that it is not enough only to believe the right things. The Pharisees, after all, believed all the right things. We are judged on how our deepest beliefs, conscious and unquestioned, manifest themselves in action, and in particular, through charity and kindness and practical help given to those who have less than us, are more powerless than us, who are desperate and alone. Now, in an age of chapter card painless charity, it should perhaps also remind us that maybe it's not enough, as Americans love to do, to simply throw money at a social problem, if we can help in person in a way that's useful. God does not judge as the world judges. He hath filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he hath sent empty away. I am haunted by the idea that I could, now or in future, be one of those rich. And that, it seems to me, is a feature and not a bug of the Christian life. Christ is always to be found among the poor. It is, and should be, the wellspring of all truly Christian action. We are defined, we are judged, not only by chapel class lunch, 
but by how we treat one another and are aware of one's needs within this community, but also by how we treat the people who catch the bus just outside our doors. <laughs>